0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fast Charge. This week, I am joined by Hannah, uh, who has maybe been on the show before. Yeah. I'm already losing track. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Adam, all the way from our US office, who is making his Fast Charge debut, but you may have seen on the channel already in his last kind standing videos. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for uh, hopping over for, like, bright and early your morning and end of the day for us. Uh, We are going to be chatting British stupidity over the uh, 5G causing coronavirus conspiracy theory. Uh, Then we are going to turn to the new mobile-only streaming app Quibi, uh, which is launched this week and there's a bit of an oddity uh and then last and certainly not least uh adam is going to lead us on a little chat of the kind of state of phone cameras at the moment because he is our sort of resident camera guru uh yes so let's get going with this coronavirus stuff uh this is you know a welcome chance to have an american here on the show to talk about british people being absolute raging morons uh
1: (laughs) well you know it's it's not just the british that get to uh you know, uh, have have the corner on, on dumb stuff. So, yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> American just... <laughs> CO2.
0: <laughs> but this is our time to shine. Yeah, okay, uh, okay. Yeah.
1: I'll let you have that.
0: <laughs> so, in case you're not aware, basically there's been this uh, conspiracy theory going around that 5G is the cause of uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, you kind of hear it different ways. Either it's that it's sort of some accidental result of 5G or it's some intentional effort to spread the disease or I've also heard that they purposefully spreading coronavirus to keep people off the streets so that they can put in all the 5G infrastructure without people getting in the way. Uh, none of this makes any sense. Just to be abundantly clear, this is not the case. There's not a shred of scientific evidence that 5G masks or 5G signals are causing coronavirus. It, it, they absolutely are not. Um, but... Uh, this is taken. I, I know this vi- this uh, conspiracy theory has sort of been picked up around the world, but for whatever reason, people in the UK specifically have really latched onto it. Um, so we've had a lot of like daytime TV celebrities uh, sharing sharing the theories online and on their social media accounts. We've had, I think, more than twenty five G now across the country have been vandalized. Some even actually set on fire, mm. uh, and um, various like network technicians, even people not working on five G, people working on, like. Fiber infrastructure have been threatened by members of the public and stuff like that because they think they're spreading the virus.
1: Uh, yeah, Dom, I mean, if if you can give me a, a quick, uh, you know, update on the the state of five G in the UK right now as it stands, because in the US it's it's very minimal, so I'm not quite sure where in the rollout it is in the UK.
0: I think similar, it's fairly widespread in well in London. It's all over London but lots of little pockets because you know 5G signal reach is pretty limited. Uh, It's spreading to more and more cities. Um, Most major cities or big towns will have some 5G but not a lot of it uh, anywhere outside of a city and and there's there's nothing. Uh, We only have sub-6. There's no millimeter wave here yet either whereas I know in the US you've got bits of both dotted around. Just a little uh, bit, just a, just a smidge, tiny little bit. That's a bit. So you're ahead of us on millimeter wave, uh, okay. and yeah, I think we now every all of our like big four major networks now offer five G. So it's, it's kind of at that point now where it is everywhere, but not a not a lot of it. Okay. All right.
2: What was interesting is that there have been concerns around five G even before all of mm. this. Um, maybe not necessarily prevalent in the UK. Um, I was on an international press trip. And in particular, there were questions from, I seem to remember, um, journalists from India and some journalists from Australia, um, all questioning around whether it was safe and that sort of thing. Really? Yeah, so it's always been a thing. And it just so happens that because COVID-19 has come around now that it seems like the perfect sort of link for conspiracies to
0: jump on. Yeah, this definitely is people taking existing... The big thing was 5G gives you cancer, I think, was the the main line people seem to take. Um, and yeah, it definitely is people who were spouting that and just seeing this as a chance to extend that, jump on jump on this and, oh, well, it, it's cancer and it's coronavirus. Uh, what I really don't understand is why it's now spread so quickly and why just in the UK? Um, um, I, I don't I really understand what, what it is about the British that's like got, got caught up so badly in this.
2: I don't know. I mean, what was interesting was when you mentioned about celebrities. Mm. So apparently Amanda Holden, if you have mm-hmm. ever seen Britain's Got Talent, she is a judge on there. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry,
1: I'm going to have to admit I have not.
2: That is fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but she she tweeted a link to a petition. And then later on, her uh, PR representative said, oh, yeah, it was an accidental uh retweet and it was like there's no way she could have done that accidentally like when you looked at it it was like I don't know how she would have done that but um if she did you know classic uh classic not good with technology but if not then um (laughs) it's it's dangerous though with you know people who have um have platforms like that to be spreading information that they're not super sure about um
0: well totally I mean it's obviously not helping anyone with the coronavirus pandemic but I mean it wouldn't actively do harm in that respect but the fact that people are actually damaging mobile infrastructure at a time when it's more important than ever before because we all need it to stay in touch Uh, but also yeah that like actual engineers telecoms engineers are getting threatened while they're just trying to do their jobs and you know a few of the the big network companies in the UK have said they're giving all of their engineers like signage that they have to now have out with them while they're working like explaining that they're they're working on network infrastructure and that it's not a threat. Um, some of them obviously who are working on just broadband rather than 5G have signs specifically saying like we're not making 5G this isn't 5G we're just laying down fiber like leave us alone uh so it's uh, yeah I, it feels almost like it's a matter of time before someone actually attacks someone which is so scary to think about yeah and i'm i'm
1: all in for a good conspiracy theory if you don't know <laughs> that about me but yeah when 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 people are actually getting hurt uh like this and and i think that's yeah not a, not a good place to be in and also i think Part of it has to do with, you know, a lot of people see 5G and Huawei in kind of that same pocket, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, Huawei is obviously a Chinese company and then the mm-hmm. coronavirus has sprouted out of China. You know, I'm I'm, I'm getting this, this you know, vague sense of, of a lot of uh, anti-Chinese sentiments around. So I don't know if maybe that's even more poignant in the UK. Um but I mean, there's definitely, definitely plenty of it here in the U.S.
2: Well, there was recently the obviously Huawei um, debate that happened in Parliament, which was it wasn't that long before coronavirus, right? It was about maybe no, a, sort a of month. within
0: the last, yeah, within the last yeah. couple of months, the the UK did have a make the official decision to keep Huawei network infrastructure for five G, which was pretty controversial. Um, so. Yeah, I, I haven't seen much explicitly tying those two together, but I think there's certainly the same kind of underlying fears in there. And I definitely think they, that it does kind of link up together. I think that's fair that that kind of that whole mess of Huawei and the network infrastructure and 5G causing cancer and Huawei spying on everyone and all that stuff kind of bundles up together. And then, yeah, coronavirus coming out China. Um one like little spotlight at the moment is that the tech companies are doing their best to sort of step up and deal with it slowly um i think whatsapp announced today they're going to be i think not just because of this because of other coronavirus stuff they're going to be cracking down on message forwarding in the app um so setting some sort of restrictions on how many times messages can be forwarded around or something i think um and youtube has just come out and said that it will be taking down videos that promote the 5G coronavirus conspiracy. Uh, YouTube, we are not promoting it. Please do not take this video down. (laughs) Uh, You know, that does bring a good point. I've I've had
1: uh, some discussions with uh, some of my my U.S. Uh, counterparts, you know, talking about actually uh, for us, you know, freedom of speech speech is obviously a huge thing. So mm. when, when you're talking about an online forum like YouTube taking stuff down and who's the one who decides, hey, that we're going to promote this stuff and take it down. You sure. know, I, I, I think I mean, I'm not for, you know, this conspiracy. Yep. I'm not about getting it spread out there, but also I, you start to push back against you know, limiting people's freedom of speech. So, you know, it's it's a double-edged
0: sword. It is. And and they have said that they're not going to take down other 5G conspiracies, because uh, there are lots of, as we've already said, other conspiracies around 5G and its health associations or other things and its links to Huawei, whatever. They're not taking down videos on that. It's specifically the coronavirus stuff right now they're going to be removing. Um, but there is a risk that it actually plays into the the hands of the conspiracists, because as soon as it looks like, well, you know, big data's taking it all down like they're blocking free speech they're trying to stop the truth getting out you know well it was
2: it was off the back of one particular guy isn't it um who did like a sort of like ted ted talk style video um he was a professor i i can't hit his name's eluding me right now but um <laughs> I, I i had a quick look at sort of his response to this and it was very you know classic messages flashing up on the screen and you know that sort of thing <laughs> like you know and it was um yeah, it's like you say, it's hard to differentiate between the types of videos that are perhaps causing harm and then mm-hmm. censoring people. Um,
0: totally. And I wouldn't want to see all conspiracy theories taken down because I love a conspiracy theory <laughs> like Adam. Like, you know, if all the like great stuff about the moon landing got taken off YouTube, that would be a tragedy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, as long as there's, uh, you know, I think if it hadn't escalated to the point of like engineers getting threatened, this probably wouldn't be getting the kind of treatment it is right now but as soon as there is that sense of like people trying to do their jobs are just you know now doing it worried someone's going to attack them over some nonsense um you know and it is i think there was a stat off some survey that somewhere north of a hundred thousand people in the uk believe this so and that that's potentially only going to grow from here wow. so well hopefully
1: um, hopefully they should uh
0: you know stay at home <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> spew all the stuff you want online. Exactly. Yeah. Not hurt anybody.
0: <laughs> Believe whatever you want inside your house. Just do yeah. it. You know, res- while well, responsibly socially distancing from network engineers. Exactly. <laughs> so next up, I want to talk about Quibby. I think that's how you say. It. I think it's Quibby. I my instinct is Quibby, um, but I've been. Yeah, I had a Quibi. listen to uh, the um, founders'
2: interview and they said Quibby, so I'll go with that.
0: <laughs> okay. So that mm-hmm. it stands for quick bytes, so the, the queer makes sense because it's queer from quick. B from bite beats. <laughs> Doesn't quite work. <laughs> it should probably be quibye, like ribeye. Ribbiye. Uh Quibi. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like uh, an yeah, Quibi. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, this is a new streaming service, a kind of you know, in new Netflixy Amazon Prime, Disney Plus type thing um but the fun gimmick is that it's just for phones so they literally i don't even think there is a web version i don't think there are tv apps or anything like that. i think you can only get it on android or ios or ipad os um and to pair in with that it's all short form content so every episode is somewhere below 10 minutes long um which is an interesting idea um adam you were saying i I've gonna play around with it today i watched a couple of things adam you were saying you have as well uh, I did yeah
1: yesterday I signed up for the the free trial uh mm-hmm. and I, I didn't extensively go through the the catalog but I, I I watched some stuff I I have some I have some thoughts for sure uh, <laughs> What did you watch <laughs> Uh well I mean there there was a a nice ASMR video uh that was kind of nice. interesting Uh uh-huh. they were there were had new episodes of Punked. uh the I watched the old I watched MTV the first Punk'd. yeah Yeah uh, they had we a couple chance of dramas. The rapper hosting yeah Yeah. i i do not remember the the name of the the drama uh but i think it's the big one that they're pushing so uh yeah i mean the thing that i find interesting um i mean even apart from is this a good time to launch it you know why Mm. limit it to just phones i know there's a lot of discussion around that stuff but from from my end i'm a video producer uh i was actually noticing uh depending on the orientation of your phone that actually changed the content in the scene. So like for, for me, you know, they're, they're having to, to shoot everything center balanced. Uh, they, they actually had overlays, uh, that would change, depend on the, the orientation, which means that Mm -hmm. that's not baked into the video. They're having to serve that as a separate layer, uh, and then, you know, understand which orientation you're in and, and deliver that layer. Uh, so, I mean, for me, the production challenges are just through the roof, because not only yep. are you having to break with Hollywood convention and say, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to do huge blockbuster you know, style video content, uh, but we're only going to do it under 10 minutes. I mean, that's that changes everything about the way TV is shot already. But then mm-hmm. if you're also going to say, OK, well, now we need to to shoot it in a way that's safe for vertical orientation. Uh, and then we have to be able to put in overlays separately. You have to have the app understand when, you know, what orientation it is. And it, it even fed me different video. Like one of the ones I saw, like it started off with like a lady in a dream. Uh, okay. And like the dream sequence was really cool. At first I watched it in, in landscape. Um, and uh, like when she wakes up from the dream, there's this two shot of of her sitting up. And then a uh, somebody in another bed. Uh, off to the side but then when i went and watched that scene again uh, when she sh- sits up it just cuts to a a, a close-up of, the, of her face so uh-huh. like they're actually delivering extra yep. pieces of video content it, it's just the challenges are, are immense you know from my end i'm just like i i don't see how this could ever honestly take off in the form that they have it in right now
0: <laughs> it does the, seem almost. Um, yeah sorry you got
2: I was going to say, well, I guess the aspect ratio thing is something they're really trying to sell themselves on because it's not something that, you know, to watch Netflix Mm. or anything else, you have to turn it into landscape. And besides, I think, you know, the the amount of people that watch Netflix on their phone um, is probably a lot lower than I would imagine. Like, it's not mobile first. It's geared towards watching Mm. on a bigger screen. Um, When you said to the point of... um, is this the right time to launch though because it is interesting that they said you know it's for people who want in short film content on the go and it's like (laughs) no one's on the go are they (laughs) like so obviously yeah I mean it's interesting and like the challenges they've put together are you know you wonder whether this will change the way that things are filmed in the future but whether it's something that people are super interested in Mm. I don't know
0: I do wonder if they always intended to, so it has a 90 day free trial right now. So you can get three months for free, uh, you know, versus normally getting maybe a month or a week from some other platforms. I kind of wonder, was it always meant to be a 90 day free trial at launch or was that kind of the current situation where they have to launch it, but they thought they maybe wanted to get it, that get people into the habit of watching it. So that and hoping that within three months, people are on the go again. <laughs> And that's when they'll maybe actually then start using it in that way. Uh, maybe. Also it's three- interesting
2: that they've um, launched so close to Disney Plus as well i find yes. that fascinating well,
0: f- for the uk to be fair for the us disney plus was what four months ago now that so, is true
2: that is true um,
0: <laughs> whereas we've only had it for two weeks
1: yeah yeah something like that. also uh 90 90 days is is just enough time for you to forget that you even signed up for it in the first place which yeah. you know is, <laughs> like those 30 day ones i think there's plenty of people who have that you know mental fortitude to be like okay well i signed up for it but i i I can cancel it because I'm not using it, but 90 days? Oh, whoa. Oh, I forgot yeah. I signed up for that.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I'd be interested to see whether the 90 days is one of those uh, where you cancel, it stops, or whether you cancel and you get up to 90 days. So
0: It's also interesting pricing-wise, because in the US, you guys have a cheaper ad-supported tier, which we don't get over here. So if, if if you're in the US, it's either, I think, 7.99 for the f- sort of full thing or 5.99, I want to say, for an like ad-supported version, kind of like what Hulu does. Um, but in the UK, we just have the 7.99 premium no-ads experience. We don't get the choice of that cheaper ad model. So I don't know what the ad integration will be like. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. I assume that's something that they're going to roll out more and it's probably just building up the infrastructure of their advertising relationships or something. I don't know. But yeah, the UK it just has that. And, and £8 a month feels steep to me for something you're only going to watch on your phone. Um, I, I would have, it would have made more sense to me as something that was like four pounds, $4 a month. And it was kind of that sense, that it's a little thing. You're just going to watch it when you're on your commute. So it's, it's it's not like Netflix where you're going to sit down and watch binge a whole TV show all night or something.
2: Yeah, and eight pounds is actually more expensive than like a lot of the major like mm. rivals, like basic platforms or just their platforms in general. Yeah.
0: It's for so. the UK. That's more than Netflix. That's more than Disney Plus. I think that's more than Amazon. Yeah, more than like, Apple. Actually, yeah, <laughs> for the UK, it's really expensive for what it is. And you kind of look and think, hmm, would I pay more than Disney Plus prices for something that just gives me like eight minute episodes that I can watch on my phone and nowhere else? Um, but you know, a lot of people do watch stuff on the phone. I never do because I'm a I'm a like film and TV purist and i'm obsessive about aspect ratios and like screen size so the idea of actually watching something on my phone upsets me a bit um i did i did like the aspect ratio thing and and the shifting to portrait work because like, i think probably the same as adam i was just watching and i just kept switching my phone around to try and figure out what it was doing and how it worked and yeah the fact that it isn't just cropping to the middle of the frame it is they are going through and editing and picking for every shot what the appropriate thing to show in the portrait mode is so like i watched a whole eight minute episode of Dangerous Game, which is the Christoph Waltz, uh, Liam Hemsworth thing. Um, And I made myself watch an episode in portrait and I was like, you know, it's fine, it works. Like, it's obviously feels a bit odd watching something in portrait, but I never felt like I was missing stuff. Like there must've been like, you know, things off screen I wasn't seeing, and they're thinking about that as much as they can.
2: Does anyone know whether um, YouTube with some of its, I know that sometimes it produces like, you know, high-end content, whether that is done in a similar way or is that just done for um, pc content
0: i've never actually watched any youtube premium content so i I've don't watched... know i think it's all just landscape I, as far as yeah the
1: all the youtube original stuff i've seen has has been traditional landscape. yeah yeah because
2: that's 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 interesting because you must think that youtube's audience must be like quite mobile heavy now mm. um and it's a wonder that they've not jumped on this because they're probably the closest rival in terms of like the short form content aspect, even though it's all user generated and it's quite different, but mm. yeah, I mean,
1: well, and I mean, a, at least their player, if you are in a vertical orientation, their player is still, you know, viewable at the top of the screen where Netflix, like you literally have, to, like there's no, yeah, there's no way to watch it unless turning your phone. So YouTube, yeah. you know, tries to straddle that line.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a funny one. I'm, I'm a Quibi Quibi. Skeptic, um, especially that price point, but I think that's as with all this stuff, it's going to depend a lot on content, right? It's, it, it, I don't think any of the launch shows are going to be such like must-sees that they're going to win anyone over. Um, I'm excited for the Sam Raimi horror series that starts next week, which is called like Fifty States of Fear or something like that, because I'm a sucker for Sam Raimi stuff. Um, but they they need to have their Stranger Things or their Tiger King or whatever it is, so that everyone goes, oh, you've got to get Quibby because you've got to watch this crazy show. And from the bits I've seen at launch, there's nothing that's going to do that. Um, but we'll see yeah. if they can pull that off. Content's like, king, you know.
1: but I mean, the, the, you know, it's 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 one thing to be able to have a Netflix that, you know, like Netflix, when they produce their own shows, they do have the option of putting it in the theaters. They do have the option mm. of releasing, you know, Blu-ray box sets, you know, all that kind of stuff. This Quibi stuff would not translate to any of that. It's literally stuck on their platform. So they totally. don't have a, any other way to kind of monetize on that. I, I mean, just thinking about all the production stuff, and and I mean, not yeah. even taking into account the, the the coronavirus stuff because, you know, everything's getting delayed. I'm sure they have plenty mm-hmm. in the pipeline for a little bit, but when we start hitting stuff that was supposed to be produced right now, exactly you know, it's where are they out. So I I don't know where that where that point is, but yeah, I and I wonder whether.
2: Oh, I was going to say uh, syndicated got... content, whether that's something they're looking Ooh. into, because obviously like that, that was one of our big criticisms of like Apple TV Plus was that, you know, they were sticking hard with their originals and All things originals. like that. So um, I wonder whether, you know, because a lot of the like if you look at Netflix, still the biggest TV show is like Friends and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, will they? Again, they're that? limited
0: there. You know, if we think about all the, the complaints people had about The Simpsons on Disney Plus being in uh, 16 by 9 rather than 4 by 3 uh, and that cropping off jokes, like, what syndicated... Like, what, how can you put friends on there and only show, like, one strip of the frame at any given time? You'd only see one friend at once. Uh, it would, um, <laughs> well, they'd have they to edit off the S, you know? <laughs> <Yeah. the frame.
2: laughs> it's just Ross for the whole episode.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then my other worry is... is, is or, or curiosity, I guess is how they're going to attract what kind of filmmaking talent they might attract because obviously one of the strategies that people like Netflix and Disney Plus have had is to try and get big Hollywood directors and people like that to make content for TV and it's you know getting somewhat you know big names to make their first TV show and stuff like that by giving them you know huge piles of money and getting Netflix obviously lots of original movies and stuff like that I'm curious to see which if any big name writers and directors like the format and are willing to embrace it uh, you know, I can't imagine a Quentin Tarantino turning up and saying, yeah, I'll, I'll, make, a, I'll make a TV show that's in portrait half the time. Uh, I think there's enough Hollywood types that would just look at it and go, hell no. <laughs> so, yeah, the first big name to sign up for it, I'll be very curious to see. Um, cool, okay, uh, could, be, could be done and dusted. Um, I, I'm going to enjoy my 90-day free trial. I will be surprised if I keep playing when I'm done um adam (laughs) if you remember if i remember to i've already set a reminder (laughs) on my to-do list i've got to do (laughs) it app and i've already went in like for beginning of july cancel cancel quibi yeah adam phone cameras stuff like that you uh you obviously do your regular last cam standing series for us we've had a couple episodes on tech advisor you used to do it for the pc world channel which is where you spend most of your time uh what 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 i know you're working on one for us at the moment actually there's a there's a last cam standing in the pipeline at some point right (laughs)
1: There is, theory. and I, I want to apologize. It is obviously <laughs> not out yet. Uh, you know, everything kind of got sprung on us, and and it's kind of been pushed on the back burner. I, I make slow progress every day on it, though I, I promise. <laughs> uh, and just as a tease, it's uh it's the uh, Samsung Galaxy S20 Plus, the S20 Ultra, uh, mm-hmm. the iPhone uh, 11 Pro, and the Pixel 4 XL. So I've got you know kind of the the major phones. Uh, and we we hired another. Uh, Amazing model for us, and uh, it's it's a good shootout, though. I'll say, you know, and this this kind of leads me into uh, a question I have f- for for all of you. I it's it's getting to the point where these flagship phones, I'm I'm really splitting hairs, you know. It, it really comes down to, you know, maybe maybe the off chance that that it missed, uh, you know, a capture here or, mm. or uh, incorrect exposure there, uh, but a lot of it does still boil down to personal preference. Uh, and, you know, I, I've never really asked both of you, what, what are your personal preferences when, when it comes to camera? I mean, what, what are you looking for? Are you like, hey, you know, I just want the main shooter to be, you know, real punchy? Or, hey, I, I need to have a wide angle lens and a, a hundred times space zoom uh, to play
0: around with. You know,
1: what, what, what do you personally look for?
0: Um, I mean, I'm, very, I'm, I'm a very simple creature when it comes to phone cameras in terms of what I actually use day to day versus when I'm testing for a review, which is 95% plus of the photos I take are just going to be the main camera. Um, Not really worrying too much about the telephoto or the wide. Uh, I also almost never take selfies, so front-facing cameras do not matter to me in the slightest. Um, Yeah, so my main thing is just that that main camera delivers as well as it can. I've always said part of the reason I love the Pixel line, um, and part of the reason the Pixel 4 didn't you know, I, I didn't love as much, but I love the fact that they just kind of took this approach of they were the best point and shoot phone camera. You didn't need to know which lens to use at the right time. You didn't need to dig around in settings. If you just wanted to get your phone out your pocket, point it forward and hit the shutter button, like the Pixel 3 would do that. And at the time did probably the best job of doing that of any camera out there. Um, you obviously lose the versatility, but for me that's worth it because it's better to, for like those 95% of photos to come out really well than for those like rare rare moments where I find myself thinking, oh, I really want the wide angle or the zoom. Um, when I do wide angle trump zoom every time, I will use the wide angle for landscape, stuff like that. You know, especially if I'm on a holiday, there's always going to be some wide angle shots. Zoom shots are. So, I, I take them for reviews, but I I can't remember the last time I used a telephoto camera, uh, on purpose for a photo I actually wanted, and certainly not any of the like. 10 times 20 times 100 times stuff like it's a great technical gimmick but you you never need those photos wait hold on yeah. you're not taking photos of the moon <laughs> actually to be fair the moon stuff that the wildways do is cool uh, i never i never reviewed any of the ones well, when that it's not that. faking it when it's not yeah. faking it <laughs> how about
1: um, you hannah
2: yeah i mean yeah i i'm quite similar to dom in that yeah i actually so i've still got a pixel 3 um and um I still find it to be great, even this far on. Like, you know, again, it's like, it's pretty easy to use. Um, I do use the portrait mode a lot more um, than probably you, Dom. And I, again, I I think that's a really good feature to have. And although I have used portrait mode on more budget phones, and sometimes they've still managed to do that reasonably well, even though they're not the best one out there. um, I find that, people who overwhelm their camera setup with all these different gimmicky features. I'm not a fan of it. Like, you know, where it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's stuff that like, it's usually I find a marketing thing more than anything that really only 10% of users will probably get actual use Mm -hmm. out of it. Um, so you know yeah just like really odd pre-made filters like there was one that was like it used a similar one to snapchat you know where you can like thin your face and stuff like that which i'm just like you know nah not all about that
0: oh yeah all all the beauty mode stuff weirds me out um oh
2: not good Um, but yeah wide angle shots i was gonna say wide angle shots i i got real use out of a few years ago on like travel and things like that when you are trying to when you've got something, you know, like, I don't know, like the Grand Canyon, for example, yeah. like it's very, very hard to do a good shot just in the normal main camera. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I prefer, you know, keeping everything clean and simple, producing a good image with sharp pictures and also night mode as well. I've become, I found that now to go back to a, a phone that doesn't have a good night mode, I'm suddenly like, oh, you know, it's just, uh, yeah. it really limits what you can do. Um, yeah I was going to say
0: night mode is something I use a lot actually that's the sort of the other mode I would worry about and I definitely think in the flagship space we're getting to the point where they're all almost as good as each other there's definitely still enough differences to pull things apart there but they are slowly getting closer but that definitely is a space where like budget phones are nowhere near whereas portrait mode like you said actually has trickled down to be pretty good on most devices now um but night mode on a on a cheap phone is always just worthless. Absolutely worthless. Yeah, it's
2: terrible. I mean, the the only thing as well that I'm finding on flagships now is that exterior camera designs. It seems to be like, look how many lenses and cameras we've got. <laughs> like, I just I just don't like it. Like personally, I'd rather like you know keep it keep it yep. simple, keep it clean. Like, but it seems to be that every new phone that's coming out now, it's going to be at the rate where it's just going to be a bunch of cameras on the back, and it's like. Whoa, whoa.
1: Yeah. When, when when they're all just big black rectangles, you,
0: you have to figure yep. for yourself somehow. <laughs> um, I mean, at least no one copied the Nokia 9 PureView's horrible, oh star like, star eyes set of uh, five lenses. I'm glad that was not a trend that caught on. Trigger, triggered everyone's
1: agoraphobia, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Fear of holes. Uh, but, yeah, you know, and and that's one of the things that, you know, I think I try to stress in my Last Cam Standing series uh, is that you know what I'm really trying to do in there because uh, I, I don't look at all the different lenses I don't look at all, all the different modes I, I'm really just looking you know at a specific set of examples and and trying to figure out okay which what is the company really prioritizing here you know and mm-hmm. you start to see those patterns where uh, you know, the Google, Google has always been about protecting highlights. Like they'll, they'll tend to underexpose most of their images to really protect those highlights. That's just somewhere in their playbook. That's, that's their ethos. That's how they like to, uh, how, how they like to, you know, develop their software and their hardware, uh, in tandem. So as long as people know that going in, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm trying to educate people to understand like, okay, well, you know, this is, this is what Google thinks a camera should be doing. So just know that going in or, you know, uh, you know, iPhone has really, has always tended to be one of the softer images to say, Hey, in, in my mind, I'm thinking that they are realizing most people are going to sharpen in post anyway. So, you know, they're, they're going to, and by post, I mean, you know, on on Instagram, they're probably just going to jam on a, a sharpening slider so they don't yep. they don't over sharpen the image too much just yep. a, as a straight capture where on the other hand Samsung has pretty much always tended to really over sharpen their images you know to have something just right out of the camera just as punchy as they can be uh, they used to be really uh, into high contrast uh, uh, situations too but they, they've they've backed luckily over the years they've really backed down on that and you'll see actually in this this newest episode of the last cam standing that i was surprised by the the um the the amount of highlight and shadow detail that that the the samsung phones have have like kind of walked back and said hey you know what we're we're, we're not going to make it as, as super contrast as as we usually do uh it's it's kind of interesting but then it's yeah. also interesting to see the differences between the s20 plus and the s20 ultra you know because i i've actually none of my i mean this is episode Remember uh, off the top of my head right now, maybe somewhere in the teens, uh, and the uh, I've, I've never had the ability to to take uh, a phone from a, another man or from the same manufacturer or, or use two phones from the same manufacturer uh, because usually it's like oh they, they send us the highest end model and that that's what we get but in this case I did have the S20 Plus and the S20 Ultra to to. Uh, do side-by-side testing against and the camera modules are are so different that Mm. that i'm i'm actually able to see oh okay some of this isn't just baked into the software it really has to do with the hardware and and that's always hard to you know a hard balance to to try to understand so that's that's what i try to do i I really try to get in there i'm not you know a lot of people you know message me and they're like oh hey you know thank you you helped me you know figure out which camera i was going to buy and and I, i i I, I really try to shy away from buying advice because I'm not looking at the whole package. I, I'm really just trying to dig deep and, and help people understand, you know, what what they're looking for. And, and, and to a certain degree, help, hopefully help them understand just their own personal preferences. Because, yeah. it, you know, anytime somebody comments and there's like, hey, why did you like this? I liked this one. There's nothing wrong with that. There were plenty of people who loved that Nokia 9 PureView. And I was like, cool, that's, I'm, I'm down with that. There's, there's nothing wrong. If you, if you like it, then, you know, you like it, go for it. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Totally. I mean, like you said, it's at a point where the differences between these things is so minute now, other than sort of whether it can, how, how many, how much zoom it can hit or something like that, clear cut, things like that. So often people want the answer to be, which is the better camera, like, And it's not always that simple. And it is often just kind of saying, well, look, here's a, I took the same shot in the same place with two phones, like, which do you prefer? Um, And even if you don't know the technical side and you don't want to know the technical side of cameras, I think that's kind of the best way to do it is just go, there are so many videos like Last Cam Standing and other stuff out there where people are just sort of showing like, yeah, here's three different phones taking the same shots, like, make your own mind up about which ones look right to your eyes and, and look like how you want your cat photos to look. Yeah, I, I
1: will say I, I do have one little nitpick about uh, a lot of the other testing that I see out there. There's there's some really good testing, but I know a lot of people tend to uh, equate camera performance with video capture performance. There's yeah. there's plenty of, of you know channels who will will be like, hey, we're doing you know uh, camera capture test and and they'll shoot it vlog style and kind of switch between the, the two phones, which is good, which is interesting. It's definitely important to see that. But the way that that these cameras uh, process photos is way different than the way that they process video. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's that's one thing I always look at as as a not that they're being disingenuous with their with their testing. It is important, but they don't necessarily lean into the fact that hey, this is how the camera uh, is is reproducing video content, not not just photo content. I I, I feel like there's not enough photo content, uh, true photo testing content out there. Uh, because I mean, to tell you the truth, it I mean it, it's a lot harder to to be able to shoot all these and and kind of edit it. It's a lot easier to just go out and shoot some video and uh you know and do side by stuff side stuff like that. So it's you know I the the more the more the people can get out there and test this stuff, I think the better. I wish I had more time in the day. I I, I honestly I, I mean I could make a whole a whole job out of just doing mm-hmm. smartphone camera testing because I I find it so interesting. And I mean I mean. We've talked about this before. One, one of the things that I would wish I could really dive deeper into is is the mid range and, and the budget phones, because the high end stuff it's you know, they're yep. varying degrees of, of of awesomeness. You can get a good picture out of all of them, but the the mid range and the budget phones, that's that's where a lot of people buy, and that's where there's big differentiation uh, between that stuff. So my my knowledge gap is is really really thin there, and that that bumps me out. <laughs>
0: especially because like you said so often the manufacturers just want us to look at the flagship devices especially you know for early access to stuff and whatever and they want you to talk about what the top of the product line can do but often that entry level one is even the difference between you know an s20 or an s20 ultra or or a p40 and a p40 pro plus you know they can have radically different camera setups and i think we're going to see more and more of that because like you said the s20 is a really stark example where the whole, from the ground up, those are different camera modules between the 20 and the Plus and the Ultra. Um, and the P40 range, there's quite a lot of variation between them. And I think as we get these premium, premium phones, we're going to see that more. where It's the camera where they find that space to you know, bump the price up and fit more stuff in. So actually we're going to see that that era where the Plus model and the, or the Pro model had the same camera setup but a bigger screen is just gone. It's going to be always camera that's different and uh, it's going to be really important to, keep looking at what actually the entry level one does or you know i mean entry level for a flagship and s20 is still like 800 bucks or whatever but uh
2: but what you were saying about packing those features in like because the thing is is like what consumers need to know is like what specifically do they want from that camera because it's like Mm. if they're paying like you know hundreds and hundreds of pounds or dollars more for a, a phone like yeah, it's it's knowing like okay, if you're wanting this specific, if you want a phone that can just do portrait really really well and stuff like that, it's being able to to know that. And yep. It's it's hard to to distinguish that because sometimes you'll just hear it's got the best or you know the highest, and yep. then that sells it. And sometimes you'll be and, yeah way overpaying for what you actually need.
1: Totally. And, and, and the, not even yep. not even getting into the whole marketing stuff because I mean things like dual aperture mode on the. S twenty yeah. was 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 it was pure marketing. I mean, the space zoom, whatever. It's it's pure marketing. But the the thing that I've I've always gotten frustrated by, which I I've, I think mostly we've gotten away from, is that locking a lot of these hardware features behind bigger phones, like Apple. I was always on them to say, hey, why why would you only put the most advanced camera modules in the bigger phone? I mean, I get it, it's a bigger phone. They have more space, but mm-hmm. they like. I know plenty of people who want smaller phones, but they still want the best camera experience. Like, don't don't only lock these these awesome features to bigger phones just because there's more space. Figure it out. Try to try to find a way to, to deliver that. And especially with the new iPhone SE two, whatever you know is, is reportedly coming out. Hopefully, they have you know just as impressive uh, camera features as the the main flagship phones because that's that's important.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, and, you know, Apple was on a bit of a roll with the iPhone 11 stuff. That camera setup there, like, w- felt like a step up. And if there's anything like that in the new SE, or getting towards that space, I'd be really happy. I mean, this is the second week in a row we've moaned about big phones, because I think it was the same last week. I was talking to Chris and Toddy, and the complaint was, no one makes small phones anymore. And yeah, when they do, they cut back the feature set, so you don't get half the stuff. If, if you want all the best stuff, you've got to buy a Seven-inch phablet, and
2: yeah, um... I think I think when we did um, the last fast charge about the S twenty plus was that I said particularly for like things like um, I have quite small hands and like women's jeans and stuff like that. Like if you just put it in <laughs> yep. your pocket, it doesn't. It's like half hanging out. Like do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it's not practical at all. But um, yeah, so I agree. Smaller phones should be considered uh, high spec features.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the move towards more and more multiple lens models makes that trickier. That was something where Google could always do that with the two pixels because it only had one lens or now two lenses. But I guess, like you were saying, there are physical space constraints. And as you are talking about putting three, four, five lenses in, I guess that just becomes harder and harder to do with a small device. So I don't know if we're going to see it get better there, especially as we're now all pushing for bigger physical sensor sizes as well, which is obviously part of what Samsung and Xiaomi have been pushing so that again is another reason it becomes harder to take that tech and squeeze it into a into a six-inch screen device. But
1: yeah, I mean honestly, I I never thought we would get to the to the point where we're almost ha almost getting there. It's still some time, but uh, you know a, a like a a full one-inch sensor on a phone. Mm. Like the the new S twenty uh, Ultra, I mean it's it's close enough where I'm I'm actually getting true. Uh, Boca, you know off of, yeah. off of some of these images and yeah I, you know that that excites me as a as a, a phone lover uh and a, and a photography lover so you mm. know i mean they they continue to innovate in that space uh which is is amazing and and everybody's doing it differently but still trying to you know totally. achieve the, the same effect so uh i i really like that there's a lot of different options out there uh i love the fact that people are are able to you know take these awesome photos that that quite frankly you couldn't take 10 years ago you had to have a dslr or you know some sort of point and shoot setup but it's like no you can get really good photos just by pulling a phone out of your pocket and there is a part of the the photography magic that is lost in having a separate camera system mm. but that's never going to go away uh, there's still advantages to to bigger cameras but the fact that you have such good quality in your pocket just means more and more people get to enjoy photography as a whole. So I'm happy about it.
0: Totally. Well, that sounds like a nice optimistic note to end the show on. (laughs) Much cheerier than we normally are. Uh, That's what you get for having Adam here. Uh, Yeah. So thank you both for joining me. And thank you, Adam, in particular, uh, for battling eight-hour time differences to to make it on. Uh, Yeah. So... um, that that was it thanks both everyone like and subscribe jump in the comments you know all of that and uh hopefully we'll get adam back some other time
1: i right. i would love to be on it, it was a uh, it was an honor to be on my first episode of fast
0: charge <laughs> but hurry up we love's come standing i want it soon i know i know sorry <laughs> <laughs> all right cheers bye